been waiting for this day for a long time. Oh, boy. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Disney Underground, your experimental podcast of tomorrow. I'm your host, Gene. Today is July 26th, 2021, and this is episode 45. We want to thank you all in advance for taking this magical journey with us through all these things Disney. We have a huge, huge, huge show planned today. It's kind of like Marvel Day on the show today. We're going to be imagineering our own Marvel attraction from Disney World, and we will also be talking to a huge guest. We are joined today in a few minutes by Gabriel Berenstein, who is the cinematographer on pretty much the biggest film to come out since quarantine, Black Widow. So uh, stick around for him. Uh, We're going to have all the latest news and info, but before that, let's do the Disney Underground Roll Call. The Disney Underground Roll Call. Up first, the besteners of the Midwesterners, Dan and Steph. Hi. Hi. Oh. Hi. Oh. (laughs) It's great to see. I've never heard it before. Let, let's let's welcome from sunny Miami, Joey, and then we can all give our hugs because we haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks. Joey, what's up, man? Yeah, what's up, man? Yeah, it's been. I know I missed everybody last week. Heard the show though; it was really good. You guys did a good job. I know it's not easy to do stuff on location like that. So yeah, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. I had to record like the second day from <laughs> yeah, here. I heard, I heard you're like I had to go back, and I, yeah, that's tough, man. It's so, yeah, it sucked. And I had to do it solo too, which isn't fun. Crows. And then we got it. Yeah, then the crows came, but I was okay. I was I was a friend of the crows. We kept making um what was it, what was the we kept referencing uh for any uh Schitt's Creek fans out there when uh, Moira Rose was in the movie um The Crows Have Eyes. Yeah. That, oh, was, yeah. that was the reference of the day with, with I uh, get it. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, yeah so, unfortunately, unfortunately for us, I, I don't think Sammy's gonna be here tonight because little cold is running around rampant through the house. So we're all kind of battling it right now. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. But it, 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 it's nice to see. I We're out. Like see you guys. later, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I haven't seen you guys in so long. I miss you guys. I am officially now down there, as we used to say. Uh, you're back. So, no, you're back down there. Back down there. This is the first. <laughs> this is the first podcast episode from the new the new place in Florida. Aside aside from being at the parks last last week, so you got that shelf going. Okay, I, I start. I'm starting the background. Got a shelf, up. everyone. Well, yeah, I got a shelf. You got to have a shelf. It's, when look, you're, it's, when it's you're more than just a shelf. I got a bunch of stuff, but it's oh, it's, it's, it's a start. We're gonna get some more Disney up there. There's a lot of Star Wars. We we'll get some more Disney up there. Um, but I, I Star Wars is Disney, by the way. I know. I mean, like more like that that <laughs> traditional, you know, some Mickey, some Orange Bird. I'm oh, like, yeah, you know, some of that stuff. Um, you have both those things there. I want more of it though. I want more of it. Like I got the boardwalk tumbler. I got Splash Mountain, but um, I got to get more like, you know. <laughs> you just found stuff around the house. Oh, this is yeah. good. I'll- I got to get What's some this? Marvel stuff and I got to get some Disney, some more Disney stuff, some more Mickey Mouse, some, uh, some yeah. stuff like that. Put that up there. But um, but yeah, I'm down here now. Miss my family, but I'm with my other family right now. So that's, that's, that kind of helps me out a little bit. Yeah. But um, beautiful shelf. And a beautiful, I do have a beautiful shelf. I, I, I agree. You know what? Before we get into anything heavy, let's, let's uh, talk about our sponsor. The Disney Underground is proud brought to you by the magical travels by brian contact brian to help book your next vacation magical travel by brian can help you not only book your disney vacation but much much more brian can also help you book your universal studios vacations all-inclusive caribbean resort cruises corporate travel and you know what the best part is dan what's the best part it's free oh there you go it's free 
That's right. It's completely free. It's a no-brainer. It doesn't cost a cent. For info, reach out to Magical Travel by Brian. You can check them out on their website, www.magicaltravelbybrian.com. Email B-R-I-A-N, Brian at MagicalTravel.com. And by phone, 1-800-883-1535, extension, double nickel. What was the oh. first three... Letters Double on the website again. What was, what was that? How's that? WWW. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Good. On the World Wide Web. I was going to send him a letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we are officially here. And uh, yeah, I missed you guys last week, man. Any any big news in the week that we we, we didn't see each other? Nope. Nope. All right. <laughs> we'll move nope. on. Nothing. Carry on. No, yeah. I was just jealous of all that food yeah. and your fun times. Oh, yeah. God. Well, yeah. yeah I, you know, having said that, let me thank Morgan Stark from Just Some Magic Podcast. James from Hot Dogs at Disney, who it turned out he's a really cool guy. He'll be on a future episode with um, for doing a, a Most Magical Five segment that we do. Uh, he's a really cool guy, really fun guy. I should have uh, been there. I was yeah. jealous of this hot dog talk. I, I love know. that guy. And he's got really cool stuff. So we want to thank him. We also want to thank Joel. He actually helped out with with some of the reviews too. To be honest with you, you, you know, you know, um, you know what the funniest part is? Oh boy, Stephanie. <laughs> Here we go. Stephanie. Here we go. Yeah. Stephanie, why did the man finish the book about anti gravity so quickly? I I don't know. Because it was impossible to put down. <laughs> Just so you know, you can't see me shaking my head right now, bro. <laughs> I thought that was a good one. <laughs> it's just, I it was pretty good. Let's just get into some uh, some Disney news. All right, so that's going to bring us to the news this week. And starting off the news, the Disney news is, uh, Joey, what's up? What do you got in the news this week? All right, so this week we got uh, Disney's currently looking to hire three actors to portray characters for Marvel Studios Eternals in the new Avengers campus. Online editions will be accepted until August 7th for the roles of Kingo, Cersei, and Phaestos. Each character will require unique traits, but all three must be high energy and able to lift 30-pound objects. I think maybe I should go out for that. Like this says here, you know, you. You, uh, you had me at you had me at hiring for Marvel, so <laughs> this might be up my alley. Unfortunately, I won't have the time, but I definitely could probably fit this. <laughs> I don't know. You yeah. can add that to your routine, Joey. That's okay. So anyway, so anybody that wants to do that, I guess put your uh, put your application in. I dare you, Gene. Do <laughs> I it. already I already did. Oh, uh, what happened? They said no, thank you. You can call back. <laughs> they said don't like, call us. We'll call you. Yeah, this is the oh, call. one of those. Mm-hmm. It's like, like outstanding. We'll call you. Don't worry. Um, okay. Next up. Um, as we mentioned before, Disney announced that Beauty and the Beast live on stage will return to Disney's Hollywood studios. We now have an official date of August 15th. The show has been closed, as you know, since March of 2020. So in addition, guests will be happy to learn that the wonderful world of animation will be returning to Disney's Hollywood studios as of August 1st. The cinematic nighttime experience uses projection mapping technology to transform the park's iconic Chinese theater on a magical journey through more than 90 years of Disney animation. Also reopening in the Magic Kingdom's Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor in Tomorrowland on August 8th and Turtle Talk with Crush on August 21st at the Seas with Nemo and Friends in Epcot. So, I mean, we all knew stuff like this was coming. It was just a matter of time once fireworks came back. You know, mm-hmm. parades will start coming eventually. And, you know, some of these, I guess these types of experiences would start coming back. So, I mean, it's good to see. Yeah. I Hopefully next will be the meet and greets. I yeah. mean, I, that logic. Yeah. yeah. Logically, that would be the next thing. Cool. And next we got Trader Sam's Grog Grotto and Tiki Terrace at Disneyland's Polynesian Village Resort have now reopened. 
Trader Sam's has been have seen some small cultural sensitivity changes in the decor, such as shrunken zombie heads, but the walls are still covered in tiki decoration. Uh, okay, next uh, next up, despite being a shorter event with fewer entertainment options, surprise here, the Boobash is still see, is still selling out fast at Disney World, and one month is completely sold out of Boobash tickets now. That's right, sorry folks, tickets for Disney's After Hours Boobash are completely sold out for the month of October. Sold out dates get restocked with more tickets. So we'll update if any changes are made. But right now, there are still dates available in August and September. So if you're happy with celebrating Halloween a month early, you can still get (laughs) tickets. All right. Uh, Next up, there's a new Dooney and Burke collection available at... What? Yeah. (laughs) Another one. I, I think I, I want to say that this is this is probably every week. Um, Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so it's at uh, Upton Jewelers at Disney's Magic Kingdom. The new collection features characters from the Hunchback of Notre Dame and includes a tote bag, crossbody, and a wallet. The outside is made to look purple stained glass or likes purple stained glass and includes Quasimodo, Esmeralda, Gargoyles, and Phobius. Um, it actually looks cool. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I'm pretty sure it I'm pretty sure it does. I do like Hunchback of Notre Dame too. They got some good characters. Yeah. I don't think they get, you know, they usually don't get enough attention, but slowly creeping in one by one. Yeah, have you noticed? I know I'm noticing that they're starting to come come back here a little bit. Mm-hmm. There you go. How you do? Oh, cool. Okay. All right, All right Joe. What else we got? Next up, uh, we'll talk about your name and lights. A Marvel's fans tweet was featured on a Black Widow billboard. One Marvel fan had a dream come true when Marvel Studios and the official Black Widow Twitter account shared a tweet by Yelena Film or Yelena T Films uh, discussing her love for the movie and how she's seen the film five times in theaters. The original tweet read just saw hashtag black widow for the first time or for the fifth time um i've been waiting so long for this movie and now that it's here i'm obsessed i think everyone should watch this masterpiece right now go and buy some tickets that's pretty cool yeah, it is crazy it was huge that's really too. cool like it, the tweet was literally half of the billboard <sighs> yeah it's it's a really good movie though have you guys seen it yes no very good what see yeah uh, if you had tweeted that out you might have been on the board. i might have been on the board but yeah. no, it, it was, it's actually really good. I was, I was, and I was reluctant at first. I, as far as like, ah, how could it be? You know, what, what kind of story can they tell? I got to tell you, I feel like they did a great job of telling a story, not just being an action movie. I just thought it was phenomenal. Well, yeah, especially how the widows came to be and all that other stuff. I thought yeah. I am continuing in order. Oh yeah. Like Where are you at right now? Quest. Have you, have you continued? I haven't had any time this last week, but I will oh. be. Do you know what you're going to watch next? Iron Man 3, even though I've seen it, I'm going to rewatch it. Okay. This movie chronologically takes place between Civil War. Like it takes place right after Civil War. Right. So, so it's know, like the Captain the- America Civil War. Yeah. I mean, you haven't gotten there yet. I know yeah. that. No. But which is, by the way, one of the best movies of all the Marvels to me. Yeah. That's yeah. It was a great one. Winter Soldier and, and uh, Civil War. Yeah. I mean, some of my favorite ones. Civil War is almost like an Avenger movie because they're all in it. Yeah, it is kind of like a mini Avenger Avenger movie. You know, they're just mad at each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all I got. All right, so let's kick it over to Steph. What you got, Steph? All right, get a free movie ticket for Disney's <laughs> Jungle Cruise by eating at Applebee's. Now through August 15th, Applebee's, Fandango, and Disney are partnering to offer diners free 
Thank you, movie tickets, to the latest summer movie, and everybody's so excited about this, Disney's Jungle Cruise in theaters July 30th. Enjoy a free movie ticket with every $25 spent and one transaction at Applebee's. Valid for dine-in to go or Applebee's delivery. Get up to four movie tickets for you and your friends and family to enjoy a night out, valued up to $15 per ticket. That is a fantastic deal. It's, I have one little thing about this. <laughs> That I was disappointed that you can't buy gift cards and get the deal. I don't, oh. I wish oh. they're trying to, I'm sure, get add on orders when you're eating there. And, and I get it, but it's I like, it I really wish you could because then I could get a couple and not have to worry about going there right, right. away. You know? right. Yeah. But yeah, super cool. Yeah, really good deal. I like that little offer. Yeah. Hey, one of my favorite companies, Joffrey's Coffee, is replacing paper straws with sugarcane straws in Epcot. The new straws are 100% biodegradable, have sugarcane fiber, are more flexible, and don't crumble as much as the paper ones that were way less durable. The new straws are flavorless and odorless. Okay, you guys, let's be honest. The paper straws, plain and simple, they just do not work. Well, they work for about 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. yeah, and then, then they just start folding. and Yeah, and they end up... <laughs> Folding. Fo they do. They <laughs> like they fold in. Like they start. Yeah, and you get like chunks, chunks of paper you in your mouth. To fold in the cheese one more time. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets like you know, like a remember those pixie sticks you had? Yeah. Them? Yeah. Yep. I gotta be honest. The new straws are actually really good. I actually had Joffrey's. What's that? The sugar cane. The sugar ones. Yeah, they're good. They're like they like it's. It feels like plastic. Oh nice. yeah, it feels like plastic. I, I actually, when I was there for food and wine, they had them, and um, I got uh, I, I stopped at Joffrey's each morning, like twice each day, because they had a. I got this uh, peach iced tea that was like so refreshing and good, and I got it's like the best straw in the in the in the, in the park. Is that straw? That's Isn't that funny? Well, let me ask you this. This may be a dumb question, but can you eat, you eat the straws? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. Was just want, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I could see Gene chewing on it. Like I, no, I, I didn't. But I, I'll, I'll be honest. I actually, I would actually grab like an extra straw. So I had for later on, if I was going to get stuck in a place that gave me a paper straw, that way I had it. So I took like an extra straw. Every time we went, I took an extra, put it in the bag just in case when I got something to drink somewhere else, if it was a paper straw, I could just, you know, switch it and put this straw in. Cause it, it's, it's, it felt just like a regular plastic straw. Like you could tell it wasn't a plastic straw. Cause it was like, it almost looked like a cardboard brown kind of uh color and stuff. But, but yeah, I ended up grabbing an extra one just in case I put them in my bag. Oh, that's good news. Yeah. I like these straws a lot better. They don't, they, and they, and they stay good the whole time. How did anyone think the paper straws were going to? Well, I get why they, I get why they did it because the plastic ones are such a such a drain on on um, yeah, the environment. But, but let's figure it out before we switch. I well, uh, hopefully this is what, something better. I know. Yeah, and well, they did here, so hopefully everybody else kind of gets on the same thing and, right. and does the same thing. So yeah, one more reason to love Joffrey's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Way yeah. Oh, Jeff. Like, I'm visiting at least once, well, twice a day. You know what Jeff needs? Yeah. The slow clap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd say that peach iced tea is spectacular. Spectacular. They also have a mango iced tea that's not bad either, but it's a lot sweeter than the peach. The reason why I like the peach iced tea is I felt like it it wasn't that strong of a peach flavor. You mostly tasted the tea with a hint of the peach. With the mango, the that's mango cool. was just too over, like too overpowering. But um, yeah. no, it was good. And, and the straws are excellent. They, they're a step up, definitely for sure. Oh. As long as they last. That's no, they do. Yeah, they don't get soggy. Nothing. Yeah. That's great. I always like when Gene says straw. And this story like really entertained me listening to the pronunciation. Why? Because I say straw? It's straw. How do you straw. Say it? S T R E A W. Like he's got the New York 
straw, 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 straw. And once he, when, when he's talking, you know, <laughs> in a fast pace, it really comes out. And we said straw probably 37 times, right? Well, you're, you're, you're saying it wrong. It's straw. Straw. We said straw more than they say um, Vespa and, and Luca. It's, it's <laughs> oh my God. Like yes. Let's switch gears to Main Street. Oh, shocker. <laughs> switch. The Main Street Confectionery will apparently be closed, oh, for a few more months at the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> Boom. It's like a punch in the nose. The, <laughs> the shop closed on March 29th of 2021, and we still don't have a definitive opening date. However, a look at Walt Disney World's calendar shows that the confectionery will at least remain closed through October 2nd. Ouch. It'll be soon after that. Yeah, you know what? I, you know what? Dan might be right. Maybe it won't be because you got to figure if it was that going to be that close to being on on the birthday of Disney, Disney of Magic Kingdom. Don't you think they'd make sure it was going to be done? Yeah, on you time? Would think so. If it was like if it was only going to be a couple weeks out, don't you think? So, you know what? Let's just double time and let's get it done so it's done for the first. What's the point of having it done on the fourteenth? Let's say if it, if if it's that close, you could have just doubled it up and, and figured it out and just got it done quicker. Right. I, would, I would think. So it makes me think that it is going to be a while after that. Sorry, Charlie. I just can't see how they would have that anniversary and no me too but that's hey, not happening i'm surprised it was october 2nd it, that's true i don't yeah i don't think it'll be october 2nd though i think it's going to be like dan said or maybe just cancel the the, the celebration altogether do it next year <laughs> yeah we'll just <laughs> do it next well, year could, screw this. confectionery ain't open yet we gotta push it <laughs> right. if i'm going to the anniversary i'm gonna need some fudge <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like fudge. I know. Next story, please. Okay. Fabletics, which was co-founded by actress Kate Hudson, will be opening a new store at Disney Springs in the fall. The popular activewear brand will offer an array of workout clothes for both men and women. An official opening date has not yet been announced, so stay tuned for more information. Good old Fabletics. Good old Kate Hudson. Good old Kate. I like Kate Hudson. Do you like Fabletics? I do. I like your daddy. Kurt, is Kurt Russell's not her dad, though, right? No. No. Who is her who's her dad? <laughs> she is a huge fan of the Hudson brothers. Oh. Mark Hudson is her dad. And one no, of the, the, oh. the Hudson brothers had a Never TV show. Well, okay, I'm oh, dating myself. Could, the Hudson I gotta brothers find are, that cover and show them. The Hudson brothers had a TV show in the 70s. Okay. I was alive then. And I was very, 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 very young and I was in love with them. And anyway, that is that's her dad. Were they on Gunsmoke? <sighs> wow. I don't know. And the call lines are still not ringing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's just just go to the next one. Okay, let's go to the next one. (laughs) A new Haunted Mansion backpack has made its way into Memento Mori at Magic Kingdom. The backpack features a black plaid design with haunting pups of neon green, patches of Madame Leota, Hatbox Ghost and the Hitchhiking Ghosts are displayed on the front. The side has mesh pockets perfect for water bottles. The shoulder strap is well padded and Ghost Host is sewn into one. The inside has a Velcro sleeve perfect for... Laptops. Laptops! (laughs) It's definitely a super cool punk rocky kind of vibe. Okay. You like it, Joey? Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Absolutely. I liked it. Finally, finally, Disney, you didn't go 
even though the patches are kind of a little bit. You didn't go the traditional, let's make it purple. Let's exactly. Put the mm-hmm. ghost. It's like, it's a really, it's almost Cruella-esque with yeah. the, the vibe of it, but I would get it. I and like you know, it. And that, it's, and I think it's really awesome that it still came out good, even though it's based, like it kind of reminds you of Cruella a little bit and you don't let Cruella's negativeness. Because <sighs> that movie was obviously overrated. So go. I'm just saying. Here we go. Well, you and well, just you think that <laughs> he's like you say all your friends, but no, I don't have any friends. Not now, anyway. I have no animals nope. down here. You've got the crows. Yeah, but I haven't seen them since Friday. They they haven't called back. Over at Kilimanjaro Safaris <laughs> at Disney's Animal Kingdom, guests got to see a new baby Nile hippopotamus that was born on July 12th. The baby can see bonding and nursing with its mother along the attraction's riverbank. Guests to the Kilimanjaro Safaris attraction may have also noticed that the lions are not around while their area is being refurbished. The rock formation where they used to hang out, which is called Pride Rock, is covered in the famous... <laughs> green scrim the disney green scrim the disney green scrim hopefully the beautiful animals will be back soon people mm. were really upset about these lions too well i mean i what, didn't I, even know what was going on at first and i saw these people upset about it i feel like that's what everything i think when you go on kilimanjaro safari that's the one animal that i mean everybody loves enjoys seeing all the animals don't get me wrong i think everybody wants to see the lions and, and that's why it's always the hardest like, to see and it's always, it's always the hardest to see. To see. and so now it's like when you go on this ride and you go through all the whole ride and then not see the lions, it's kind of a letdown because again, all the other animals are beautiful. I love, I love catching, you know, the giraffe, the giraffes are gorgeous. The hippopotamus, they're all like just all the animals are just great to see. And, and, and really it's just, it's such an awesome ride because it's an unscripted live event, really. I mean, you can't really yep. tell you, you know, they could be crossing the road and you get stuck waiting for them to cross the road for like, you know, 10 minutes sometimes. So I, it's one of the things I love about it. It's such everything is so unexpected. But when you go out there and it's one thing to not see the lions, but when the lions aren't even going to be there. It's a little bit of a letdown. I could see that. Yeah. I guess I kind of want to know, do they tell the people before they get on that, that there's the probably not going to, they're probably uh, not going to do that. I mean, they probably released it in a statement, like how we found it and stuff, but like, I'm sure like they're not telling anyone when they get they there. They pull away after getting on the vehicle. By the way, the lions aren't out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you're stuck. <laughs> maybe they posted something kind of like, you know, you will get wet on this ride. Like you will not see lions on this ride. You All know, we got in there today is gazelle. <laughs> And no copies. You always you see a million no copies. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. so let's kick it over to to Dizan. The Finding Nemo <laughs> submarine voyage at Disneyland has been closed since the park reopened in April, but we now have an idea on when we can expect it to reopen. Disneyland has recently placed signs on the construction walls surrounding the attraction, which say. The Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage will resurface in the winter of 2021. Kind of a while. Yeah. Big time while. But at least there's a sign. There you go. They're they're warning you there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Stephanie, a new little golden book featuring Disney legend Betty White is set to be released (laughs) to celebrate her 100th birthday at the beginning of 2022 and just in time for her big celebration. I also bring this up. Because in case you didn't know, Disney has released some brand new golden books based on attractions. I recently got um, a Jungle Cruise and Haunted Mansion, which even if you're not a kid, they have amazing art in them, as well as a a walkthrough of the ride in a fun way. And I actually, Joey knows this, we sent one to Aiden. Yes. 
Yeah, good for all ages. And they're only they're real cheap. Not <laughs> that's not why I got one for you. <laughs> no, we, we know it's real affordable. Uh, they're like six dollars. Uh, they're on Amazon, and I know one of the other ones they had recently was Small World. Yeah, there's um, they're they're pretty neat because the the I guess the art style is really cool in these books. They're not real long. They pretty much follow, at least the, the one we saw, because, you know, I went, I looked through it and it pretty much followed the Haunted Mansion ride throughout the book. Yeah. So if you obviously know that. Yeah. So if you know that stuff, it, it's, it's all recognizable, which is pretty cool. Um, Yeah. I was looking at the back of the book where it shows a list of the ones they have and there's, um, there's a ton of them. They have books on everything. So it's pretty neat to see that, but um, yeah, they're cool little books, man. I, I was pretty impressed. And like I said, when I was telling Dan that when Aiden was going through it, he was just going through, he was enjoying trying to find all the hidden Mickeys and there was a ton. Now, I don't know if that's how all the books are. I'm assuming that's probably what they do. Cause it seemed I to be- I didn't even look. I never thought about it. <laughs> it seemed to be almost like one on one or two on every single page yeah. somewhere. That's pretty much what it looked like. So um, we have some new magic bands featuring some rare characters. I'm listening. Ooh. I still remember somebody talked about that recently. We have. Yep. Yeah. Some of the magic band designs are Indiana Jones, which is a cool oh. one. The Ghost yeah. Detective, oh. Fox and the Hound, and two new ones mm. based on the, the actual movies that just came out. Jungle Cruise. Well, Jungle Cruise isn't out yet. It's about yeah. to. Jungle Cruise and Cruella. Yeah. So, Oh, Gene. Oh, uh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Right up your alley. It's right yeah, up your alley. Get a mat. Get what a umbrella. Right, no, right up your alley. Birthday. Yeah. <laughs> right up your alley, Gene. I won't yeah. accept it. Weird, weird, <laughs> not only that they're putting these out, but like putting some thinking into them after we've talked about the whole digital phone ticket thing. It's like, so yep. they must be Listen. committing to hanging in there with these. Mm-hmm. And yes, also listening. Disney's most iconic villains have taken over a traditional 78-card tarot deck. Let Melissa... Melissa... How do I screw this name every every time? (laughs) Maleficent. Captain Hook and other classics. Other classic Brad Bowen Rag Girls. (laughs) Guide your tarot practice. The only official tarot deck featuring Disney's most wicked villains. Featuring classic animated films like 101 Dalmatians, Peter Pan, The Little Mermaid, Sleeping Beauty, and more, this tarot deck reimagines Cruella de Vil, Ursula the Hag, and the whole devious crew in original illustrations based on classic tarot iconography. (laughs) Weird. Hmm. Including both the major and minor arcana cards, the set also comes with a helpful guidebook with explanations of each card's meaning as well as simple spreads for easy reading. Packaged in a decorative gift box, this deck of tarot cards is the perfect gift for Disney fans and tarot enthusiasts everywhere. You can pre-order on Amazon right now for $22.49 for the the Disney, the August 31st (laughs) release. These are actually really cool looking. I bet. Kind of the same almost art design of these books we're talking about i have to get these okay this is so much going on here we may be in the middle of dealing with the summer heat but it's time to talk about what will be coming to walt disney world for the holiday season all disney properties will see the return of the beautiful holiday decorations and holiday projections on park landmarks starting on november 12th oh my gosh yes there you go. Epcot has announced the dates of the 2021 International Festival of the Holidays, which will run from November 26th through the through December 30th. The Magic Kingdom will be hosting Disney Very Merriest After Hours, Joey's favorite short-timed event, which will be a special ticketed event that will debut on November 8th and run on select nights through December 21st. The event will take place for four hours 
after closing and will include Minnie's wonderful Christmas time fireworks and Disney characters in their holiday outfits roaming throughout the park. Mm. Well, at least it's four hours and not three. I'll give it that. Well, yeah, True. I mean, technically it's a three hour event with an hour early, I believe. is what Right. Judging by what they're doing with the Boobash, let's see if they're charging pretty much the same type of rates. I'm assuming they will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's going to sell out right away. Uh, guests at Hollywood Studios will watch the Hollywood Holiday Tower Hotel on Sunset Boulevard as it's draped with projection effects that magically transform the landmark into a snowy corner of Arendelle. A Muppets gingerbread masterpiece, a Toy Story hotel, and a Dickens Dickensian. (laughs) What the? (laughs) How would you? How do you say that? Dickensian. A Dickensian. Dickensian. Dickens. Well, it's got to be Dickens. Ian. That's the name. Dickensian. Dickensian. There you go. Village inspired by Mickey's Christmas Carol. Guests will also get to see Santa Claus in a motorcade traveling down (laughs) Hollywood Boulevard. Over at Animal Kingdom, they will have festive Disney character flotillas down Discovery River to the sounds of seasonal music. At Disney Springs, guests will once again be able to participate in the Disney Springs Christmas tree stroll with elaborately decorated Christmas-themed trees. Another holiday tradition that will be returning this year will be the gingerbread house displays at select resort hotels. This one is a huge one for a lot of people Mm -hmm. that were bumming out about it. Disney Cruise Line is also getting in the holiday spirit by offering very merry time cruises, which will run from early November through December. The fleet will be decked out with festive holiday decor, Disney characters in their holiday best, and special visits from the one and only Santa Claus. The bottom line is there will be a lot going on at Walt Disney World. So come on down and create some new holiday traditions. How am I going to not go? Are you go? okay, Dan? <laughs> How am I going to not go to this this year? We might have to go. <sighs> might have to go. This is yeah, a lot. Right. This is so good. Yeah. It's Except- pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's it doesn't seem like the... The candlelight processional will be back this year, but no, I think, but yeah. I think that's what kind of like what we were saying before. With these things, got to be prepared way in advance. I mean, yeah. you have celebrities coming into town for this, so I could see where we, they just didn't have enough time to really book the people they need to book for it. It stinks that it's not going to be here this year again, but I think that's one of the things that by next year it'll be back. I don't think that people need to worry about this as like a new Disney. I think that just that it takes time to to really game plan those things, and I think this is another thing that they just didn't have time to game plan. All right, so I have showtimes are now available for Walt Disney World's character cavalcades as their original surprise purpose looks to be a thing of the past. In the My Disney Experience app, the showtimes for the cavalcades are now available at all four Walt Disney World theme parks. Originally introduced when the theme parks reopened in July 2020, the cavalcades were designed to offer some character interaction with physical distancing enforced. Disney didn't publish showtimes to avoid guests crowding along the parade routes like they do for parades. So now that looks like they're going to... I guess crowds are coming back a little bit. They can they can do this now. Hopefully yeah. this will start turning back into parades too, though, is my is my guess is parades must be the next step, you know? Yeah. In other news, <laughs> Adventures by Disney has announced that they will be canceling their California adventures and escapes, including those at Disneyland Resorts through the end of 2021. Guests that have already scheduled a trip that was supposed to take place during this time frame will be offered travel credits that can be used through December 31st, 2022, or they will be offered a full refund. Guests who want to reschedule their trip will have until August 31st, 2021 to do so. Otherwise, they will automatically receive a complete refund. Also, Thomas Kincaid Studios legacy artist Dirk Wunderlich will be appearing at the Art of Disney in Disney Springs. Dirk has a new Thomas Kincaid
made Passport to Adventure series titled Disney Mickey and Minnie in Mexico. He will be signing and creating original sketches with Disney Dreams Collection art purchases, and will share stories about the inspiration behind each work of art. His appearances, his appearance times are scheduled until August 9th, 2021. You should go, Gene. I would yeah. be interested in that. I'll definitely check that stuff out. I love a lot of I'm not uh, actually the hugest fan, but that's I love it. because of my, Me like too. I can, I can totally appreciate it. And I think some are better than others because I just don't like that loose, loose uh, detail. I you hear know, you. Kind of the more watercolor. I'm more... Right precise design guy like the peter pan one i really like because the characters look really good and it's that water scene and alice in wonderland things like that but yeah a lot of it i i, I don't like but i do like it it's pretty huge that you can you know hear stories yeah that sounds really cool i would love even if you're not a huge kincaid fan that yeah. still is like super cool. i would go anywhere yeah i think who's the other artist i think that's with kincaid is that um Monty Monty Moore, I believe, does like he does like a lot of the, like the Star Wars stuff. I believe with them, he does like 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 Lucasfilms uh, yeah. artwork with 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 uh, Thomas Kincaid Studios. He's he's got some really cool stuff too. All right, uh, what else we got? The Disney, the Walt Disney Company has announced that they will be moving two thousand jobs from California to a new campus in Lake Nona, Florida. Disney has said that the new campus will be between three hundred thousand and four hundred thousand square feet and is estimated to cost eight hundred and sixty four million dollars. The Walt Disney Company. <laughs> Company has stated Lake Nona's advantages include nearby infrastructure such as available homes, schools, not at capacity, and proper commuter roads, as well as states the state's lack of an income tax. According to Disney, most of the jobs that will be moving to Florida will be from the parks, experiences, and product division. This move is scheduled to happen over the course of 18 months, lasting through the end of next year. That's a lot of dinero. This tells me that they are really angry at California. Probably. I'm just thinking that's what this is. And I think this is probably not going to be the only thing that they do. I'm yeah, just saying. I, I agree. But at the end of the day, I, they're not going to leave California. Do you know oh, what no, I mean? No, no, no. Well, Disneyland's oh. there. I'm not saying they're going to leave California, but this is a kind of a way of like, okay, we're going to take our ball and go home at least to an extent. I hear you. I think it's going to be just, I don't, I think it's going to be just one of these things where it's like, they're just kind of playing games a little bit. And California is playing games back and then kind of go oh, back and forth. Because listen, at the end of the day. You, games, you, you always spend $864 million. I do, usually. But- <laughs> But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's, they're not gonna, there's gonna come a point where you, you can only pull so much out of California before you're only hurting yourself anyway. Do you know what I mean? Right. Cause I get it. California knows they're not leaving. It's like when, it's like when George Steinbrenner used to threaten to take the Yankees to New Jersey. Do you know what I'm saying? They're they're never, they're not, they're not leaving, they're not leaving New Jersey. They're not leaving the Bronx. Finds a way back to the Yankees. Well, I, I'm sorry, Dan. I know I brought the sports. (laughs) I apologize. By the way, Dan. Big news. What do you how do you feel about Oklahoma and Texas possibly going to the SEC? Next I year? love them. Oh my God. I love it. That's a big that's huge in college football. College football landscape's gonna change completely. What do you think? I'm all for it. Oh wow. Yeah, you were just I've been talking day. about this for like two years now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were just well, talking this, about this last week. And luckily I did because now they're doing it. <laughs> just another company that's listening to Dan. The one thing I'll say about the the jobs thing is, man, it would suck if you had one of those jobs and you are a mega Disneyland fan. Yep. Finally got Mm -hmm. in there and you just, your life is the best. And now you got to, I'm not saying the end of the world is going to Disney World, but you know, you know, people have that hardcore. Mm -hmm. Yep. Love and that would be a bummer. Yeah. All right. I got huge, huge news. If you're into the Hall of Presidents by any chance, 
Disney has announced that the Hall of Presidents will reopen in August. The attraction has been closed since President Joe Biden was inaugurated. So an audio anatomic replica of the president could be created and programmed. Guests may have even noticed a table next to, the pre to President Biden that contains peach blossoms to represent his home state of Delaware and a pair of aviator sunglasses like the one President Biden is known to wear. With technology today, it just seems weird that it would take so long. You would think two weeks they should be able to, to, to knock that out, right? I mean, you would think, but... You would you would think to see... Dwayne! <laughs> where are you at with that animatronic? I told you I needed a week and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Disney has announced that the current fireworks shows at Epcot and Magic Kingdom will soon be permanently retired before Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary celebration. The Epcot Forever Fireworks Show will end its planned run on September 28th. The Happily Ever After Fireworks Show at Magic Kingdom will end on September 29th. These shows will be replaced by Harmonious at Epcot and Disney Enchantment at Magic Kingdom starting October 1st. According to Disney, they will sparkle into Disney history. So if you want to see these retiring fireworks shows one last time, you need to do it soon. And you know what? I actually happen to get, get lucky because I actually already had a day scheduled to be at Magic Kingdom on the 29th. Obviously, I don't have an annual pass just yet. When I bought my tickets for October 1st to be able to do Ratatouille and, and see Magic Kingdom, that you know I bought the four-day pass. So I was already going to Magic Kingdom on the 29th. So I happened to get lucky that I'll actually be there to see it. It's one less, one less hurrah. And awesome. uh, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people kind of complaining about like, well, why are they, why are they announcing it now and blah, blah, blah. And I think it's makes perfect sense. You know how much merch they're going to sell for like the, the farewell tour? I can't see. They're definitely going to have t-shirts for this thing, right? I mean, there's going to be a, yeah, there's going to be a farewell tour for it. I mean, obviously Epcot forever is really kind of just was a blink of an eye because it used to be illuminations. They just did that like in the meantime before harmonious was going to be ready. But I think that it makes perfect sense for them to, to announce it and have a build up to it because you're going to have people that want to get there to the park to see it. So you're going to have a ton of people going to, to Magic Kingdom for that. Yeah. And then again, you're going to sell, you're going to sell merch, the farewell tour. Just like, you know, like when a, when an athlete like says, oh, this is my retirement year and every city he goes to, there's a big, a big celebration. Every, every city they go to, they yep. give gifts and everybody's got to go see that, that last time Derek Jeter is going to visit them or Mer Michael Jordan is going to visit them. And this is just like that. I think people are going to want to be able to see it and get some merch for it and, and say that they saw it in that last little run that it had. So I think it makes sense, you know, all the things that aren't, aren't in a park anymore. What is your, what is your biggest thing you could, whether it be a show? or attraction what would be the thing you would bring back if you could see it body wars <laughs> that was a great ride no height requirement or was no, it height, no it was the first one to have a height requirement oh yeah that, i knew it was the opposite oh my god body wars you know body one wars. of my biggest ones is the i'd have to really think about that the osborne lights mm. i am so devastated i, I never got to see that the osborne lights are definitely one of them great movie rides another one for me Mm -hmm. Although, I mean, I love Mickey and Minnie Runaway Railway, but I just, I still miss the great movie ride. Yeah. W miss the Toad's Wild Ride. That was okay. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. You know. <laughs> Okay, so our guest coming up this week is the cinematographer from Marvel's Black Widow, the monster hit on in, on Disney Plus and in the theaters. Let's please welcome Gabriel Berenstein to the show. Hi, G. How are you? 
I'm great. It's such an honor to have you here. And, uh, you know, a ton of questions. Um, you know, before we even get into the Black Widow, you have a you have a long track record. You have a huge, a long history of, of work in the industry. How did, how did you get started in film? Like what brought you to film? Well, I come from a family of my, my father was a great actor in Mexico and my mom, too. You know, I saw that Bohemian, they were obviously no big in I mean, my dad was a bit of a big big film star but he was never sort of the glamorous hollywood type i mean they were very much intellectual stage actors and my father worked with Riz buñuel and uh, but i i was not very interested in films as a language to communicate i was more into theater and independent type of communication but gradually as i was getting Growing up, I thought that I needed to do that. I needed to use the camera to tell stories. Uh, and I wanted to be a director, naturally, as many of the people I write my own stories and tell my own stories. So I decided to emigrate from Mexico to Europe to look for possibilities in Europe. And by that time, I was a bit proficient on camera. So I started working on documentaries and things like that in Europe. Then I was convinced by a great filmmaker, Sergio Leone, that if I wanted to work in the industry, I needed to go to film school. He said, you know, you what, if you're just going to continue like that, you will end up doing like that. Obviously, you are a skillful camera operator. You, you know, companies will hire you to go places to shoot documentaries or do reportage. But that's it. That will be the end of you. That will be your life. If you want to make feature films and work in narrative films, you got to go to film school. So, and Cinecita in Italy is dead. You got to play. So he convinced me to go to England. And then, you know, big, I, you know, I applied to the biggest and most important and prestigious school, which was the National Film and Television School in England. And But I applied as a director. Now, what they said to me, they, and I remember a wonderful lady, Judy McDonald, who said to me, listen, Gabby, you have a phenomenal track record as a camera person, because you've been surviving in Europe doing camera work. You've been in the Golan Heights, you've been in El Salvador, you've been shooting things about in England history, the, the, the miners' strike, the firemen strike. You know more about Britain and the British story than many of us, but as a cameraman, as a cinematographer. If you apply as a director in a school as prestigious as this one, which accepts only 25 students every year, oh, wow. and only five foreigners, and those 25 20 English on those five, five foreigners, they come with tremendous credentials. My English was not, still is not, it was not even good. And I wanted to be a director. And then they said, listen, no way that you're going to have a place here. However, if you apply to the camera department, you will be accepted automatically. You will not have to go through the whole process of, you know, going through all the, the filtration that we have with many, many applicants from all over the world. So, the, yeah, we have a place for you in the camera department, period. No question about it. As a director, good luck. No way. So in that moment, I sealed my destiny. I said, okay, fair enough. So I think now what I have to do is come to terms to the reality. Life is dealing those cards to me. So now play them as good as you can. Because yeah. that's it. That's the way you need to do. And uh, and that's it. That's, that's, that's where I'm here now. See, I, eventually, I worked in England. I became a British Society of Cinematographers. I wanted to be there. And then eventually, I was called to do a very, very iconic film here in America called Blood In, Blood Out. I came back to Blood In, Blood Out, which was great because I encountered something which is wonderful, which is go back to the Latin culture, Latin, the Mexican culture, in the form of the Chicano culture, which they are cousins. They are two, you know, they are different, but they are cousin cultures. Mm -hmm. And 
and to Hollywood. And that's it. And I never went back to England. I stay here and I became, now I marry here and I have two children and I live in America and it's all, it's all cool. And now I shoot Marvel films. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question because, I mean, Marvel films are like, they're just such huge blockbusters, every single one of them. To imagine like from where you where you started in the film industry, how much, I mean, I, how much has changed? Like what, give me some ideas of like from when you first started to what it is now, the film industry, how it's changed. Well, look, I mean, the spectac- spectacular, we have grown up in, in, in technology, but but the principles are the same. I mean, look, when I when I was in England, I remember it was a film school. The first training job that I got is being in film school was shooting a film called Saturn Three, and my job was to really make tea and clean up the the, the cans of film full of these horrendous little Hamlet cigar cigars <laughs> that the camera operators used to sell. And, you know, literally leave them all stuck up and stuck in the the film cans and they use it as ashtrays. On those days, people could smoke. That thing has changed, right? They could actually smoke. They could shoot it with a big cheap cigars in their mouth. My job was to do that and load magazines, load magazines. I was a trainee. I was, and, uh, but it was a spectacular film. Saturn III, Harvey Keitel, Kurt Douglas, Farah Supposed Mayor. I'm talking about 70. And there was a spectacularity on that. So we have evolved. And yes, we have evolved technologically. But the actual dynamic of making film has not changed. Because that is a language. Right? Yeah, and it's a language. I mean, look, when people, people, for instance, said to me, Gabby, what what do you think about film language? And I said, the problem is that we get, what is happening is that a lot of people now get ashamed about film language. If you want to use the film our language, which is, is rack focus, handouts from one character to the other, um, visual metaphors. I always say that my favorite film is Cabaret because they use visual metaphors, right? And, and in unashamedly, because what we, so you have now the, the people that they say, okay, I want to do something different. I don't want to use that film language. I want to, and yes, they discover little meta languages within film, but at the end of the day, they end up betraying what is the principle of film language. Not betraying it, but simply trying to adapt other things that 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 sometimes they go into more recording theater or recording teleplays than actually doing a film. So so what this language exists and it's been forever and since since silent cinema. So now going to Marvel, what Marvel discovered when I my first film was Caravaggio, my second film, the reason why after I left film school, two things happened in England. First, the rock videos came to the streets. So before, all the, the music videos were in the studio. So when I came out of film school, suddenly somebody discovered that we can get the bands to the streets, to different places, and do rock and roll outside, uh, music videos outside. You know, again, the first thing that I did, Mariana Faithful and all these kind of things. And it was beautiful because then suddenly there was a need for more cinematographers, for people that knew how to use handheld, to be more, more daring, and all that. And then another thing happened. Channel 4, that was a TV channel in England, opened a film division. So when I came out of film school, I was incredibly lucky in that respect because very after, I couldn't, I didn't need to go through the ranks. I went straight to shoot. So my second film was Caravaggio. Caravaggio gave me a, the Silver Bear in, in Berlin Film Festival. And it has still the Swinton and it's got Sean Bean and it's got, it was still the first film. But 
was it too different? And it was a very small independent British film institute film. But it was the, but, but the, the, the principle was the same. We had a staging, we have the, the script, we discussed the script, we had beautiful meetings about the visual style. I work with the main negatives. I use a lot of the... The, the, the filters, uh, Derek, Derek and I work on the staging. We did a lot of good staging, camera positions, the lighting. Yeah, things have evolved in terms of now we use LEDs, but the principles continue being the same. Now, Marvel, yes, now he does incredible powerful, but at the end of the day, when you ask, whenever we start talking about Black Widow, you see how... I'm going to disappoint you because I'm not going to be talking about the spectacularity spectacularity of the film. They're spectacular. Just because they what they do. They have the money to do it. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing now is films that feel and reach and talk to the soul of the audience, that engage the audience. That's what we... That's what film has always been about. And what Marvel discovered that was very interesting, that was when I jumped into the Marvel universe, is that they let the directors, when they created the studio, let the directors to tell the story. And then they grab the film and show it to a focus group. I, I call it the focus group. I don't like the expression focus group. Show it to the collective dream. And tell the collective dream... Are we understanding you? Uh, or you what, what, what is the collective dream around that we are not getting? So when the comments come from those people, then Marvel say, oh, we are not getting this and this and this and this. And then they go for additional photography. Mm-hmm. That's where I jumped into the background. Of, I did a lot of additional photography. So if you kindly go through my resume, you know that I did a lot of things for Marvel and additional photography. That's perhaps the only difference with another more independent films that don't have the money to do that and that they are more for the author, for the filmmaker that is going to say, okay, now I'm going to influence the collective dream. And I don't care what the collective dream has. I am representative because I am in my man of society. I am part of the collective dream. I'm going to give my vision and let it live that and I don't have to do reshoots, I don't have to do anything. But those that perhaps has now been lost a bit because there are not many film or two authors, mm-hmm. film makers that are have that power. Yeah, you have maybe Fincher here in America, maybe Woody Allen, maybe Scorsese, but even those sometimes respond to the needs of the studio. And and perhaps that's the only thing that has in a way changed that now films are more aware of what the audiences are looking for than to let the artist, the author, to tell his own story. But the principles continue being the same. You know what I'm talking about. I get it completely. I actually, I love that answer because you're basically saying the art is still the art, man. And I, I really, I love that answer. It's pretty much like... It is what it's still what it is. It's still it's still the art and the and the language and and it's more like the games kind of changed, not the players. I guess you could say. Exactly. Exactly. What films and filmmakers inspired you when you were young, just breaking into this thing, and 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 even now, what films and filmmakers out there inspire you still today? Perhaps the names that I remember: Greg Toland with Citizen Kane. Naturally, I thought that was absolutely wonderful what he did with with Orson Welles and. Uh, uh, there was a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, DP from Italy, Pasqualino Di Santis, that were with Visconti. Uh, but it was it was the whole plethora of phenomenal artists there. You know, I remember that on those days when I was a student, I, in one pocket I had the American Cinematographer magazine. I laughed to to the boys, you know, that that whenever I was with a group of technicians, I would get the American Cinematographer, and I would be talking about what 
uh, Laszlo Kovacs or Bill Musikman that were young in that time, they were doing, I said, oh, you know, Laszlo is doing that. Or Vilmos is putting that array of lights around the set. It's wonderful. And in other hand, I will have the career du cinema. And I was talking about semiology and semantics and, and the influence of other arts into film. Obviously, when I was with my technician friends, I will, be, I will hide the career du cinema. And I was once with my intellectual friends, I will hide my American cinematographer, right? So I will pretend to be an intellectual and not a... But what, what, what it does is that you... It, it's that plethora of people that have influence. I mean, it's not like a one person. I mean, I was not following. Yes, I could say, yeah, sometimes I make a film and I think about Nestor Almendro. Some people said, oh, it's very interesting how Black Widow, you did it in this way. And I said, well, yeah, because I felt sometimes that I needed to have the, 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 the technique that Wendy Watkins did for uh, with Out of Africa, for instance, or with the films that Wendy did. And Nestor Almendros with, with, with a, um, Tutsi. Uh, you know, you, it's that combination. And I invite everyone. I think, you know, DPs are are, are like a fashion thing, you know, mm-hmm. like a fashion thing. And you need to, and, and they respond to certain, they did perfect for the film that they did, but you are making your own film, you know. And, and you know, you you get, you nourish yourself from those people. But then you start, I love when people said that, oh, that shot looks like a, a Spielberg shot. And then you go back and say, well, Spielberg took it from somebody else. And somebody else took it from <laughs> somebody else. And somebody else took it from somebody else. But the generation now knows Spielberg. Mm-hmm. So if I get triggered, see, I, feel, I feel now that there will be a lot of people that say, well, why is Gabi not saying Chivo? Oh, my great friend, uh, Roger Dickens. Well, Roger was, we were at the same film school. Of course I'd say them. I mean, they, they, they are phenomenal cinematographers. Do I nourish myself from them? Of course I nourish myself from them. But I nourish myself from them as I nourish from a lot, many, many other cinematographers. The important thing for me is that you have the visual education. And sometimes you see a film and then some of my good friends, you know, you get Cheko Varese to say anything or Janusz Kaminski, for instance. And, and you see what they are doing for that particular film that they are doing. I say, this is brilliant. He is actually telling visually the story in the perfect right way. I perfectly feel it. I engage myself emotionally. You just got to be, you just got to expose yourself to those, to that influence of people, but no more than an influence, you know, just to, to that world that the, of the creators and artists. That's, that's the most important thing for me. And what was a film that you did throughout your career that when you were done, you looked back and you watched it and you said, you know what, that's why I love film. Like, what was that film that you did and you were like, that's why I love doing what I do? Well, I think it must have been Caravaggio. You know, Caravaggio has to be why, because first of all, Caravaggio was a film done that was... In principle, the, the director, Derek Jarman, was a brilliant director. He was an art. He was an artist in his own right. He was different to everything that people were doing in Britain at the time. And it's a film that people still watch it and they say, oh my God, you know, this is extraordinary. This is like it was done this year. Deals with topics, for instance, of Caravaggio's bisexuality, for instance, that is incredibly contemporary, incredibly new. And we did it many years ago in the eight. Deals with uh, the visual style that I use. You see the film and the film doesn't look at an old film. On the contrary, has got these modern things. We were well advanced in our time. I always said, and I write that Caravaggio is the best film I will ever, I will ever make. And uh, and it's wonderful because it also talks about the father of film lighting. Because if any see any painter has influenced film lighting in, in a way, in a very profound way, has been Caravaggio because he created he created he was the creator of Chiaroscuro, the creator of Baroque. 
So that 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 those elements of chiaroscuro that had contributed to ca- make a film lighting more and more pleasing and artistic every time that come from that tradition of the 1600s. And one the great representative, the most powerful representative of that movement is Michelangelo de Caravaggio. So the film about his life, done in an artistic, no biographical, no biographical way, no accurate to this to, to the to this to the story. No, 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 no. A film with that was with, with, with great freedom and reproducing Caravaggio's lighting with freedom, yet with respect and in understanding how Caravaggio would have done it if he had been a cinematographer. That's ah. what made the film so special. And that's why the film still plays and it plays around. And the, and, the, and the film is, again, a very, very iconic piece of the British film cinematography. I've never seen Car- uh, Caravaggio. I've got to check it out. I have not seen it. You, you've been raving about it. I got to see it. Please do. Please do. I would def- it's going to be what I'm going to do this weekend, actually. I'm gonna, I am literally going to find it somewhere online and, 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 uh, and rent it and watch it for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you've done a lot of big films lately. How do you prepare for a big, a big production? You know, when, you, when you're going to go on location, like what's things you do to prep, like your own little, um, idiosyncrasies or little kind of uh, good luck things that you do before a show. Do you have anything like, well, not a show, but a production. Do you have anything that you do to get ready for a big production? Well, I think the, the, the most important thing, more than more than leave things to, uh, uh, more, you know, yeah, more than pray to my saints that one always always do, it is very much understanding the material as best you can. Understanding the material and trying to find inspiration to see where that material, what you're going to do with that material. Now, Directors, I know that, for instance, the answer that you would like me to give is that I have, a, I do a prepare a book with, with reference and all that. I don't do that. Directors, some directors do that. And I appreciate them. So sometimes they come with me and then they come with reference. And sometimes they bring the reference with director's photography that are either, you know, they are not my favorite or even images that I said, really? Are you telling me that that image corresponds in your mind to this image? And uh, and you have to live with that. But sometimes you understand. And then by you understanding the material very well, and by you creating in your mind a, re- a frame of reference, very strong, now you will be able to understand where the director comes from with certain images. Where the director comes from with the beautiful book, well well organized either in the computer or, or physical, with some images that that director feels that they will be part of their story his or her storytelling and you adapt to that so for me the most important is to understand the material and to try to be very very confident with what the material very confident with the location so when i get to the location i do my sun study i know where the sun is going to be where the light is going to be i try to understand and to try to play perhaps the only thing that i do different is that i play chess in a way. I'm trying to find out the next moves of the weather, the next moves of the sun, what the director on the staging could do, what the actors could do, what that scene can develop. And just try to be several steps ahead. That that's the most important. So I'm playing the film in my head and working those strategies of camera positions, of lighting. And the more experience one gets, the more more fabulous is this game mm-hmm. that I call it chess game you know just to mm-hmm. be ahead 
everything and pick up all those elements. I did a master class recently in Seoul, Korea, and the ISC, American Society of Cinematographers, said to me, Gabby, we want you to go and do a master class. What are you going to do? And, and they said, all those people are very experienced. They are not they are not newcomers. They are most of them, they are directors of photography. And I said, well, let's talk to them. Let's, let's talk with them about something which is very important. How to direct and shoot a television show using three cameras. And why there? Because suddenly I realized that, that, that the more that the, those areas, the director and the director of photography, they combine so much that we need to rescue again. That's it. That's it that sometimes it gets lost in the new way to make films in which the director of photography is just one more technician. In the old days, the director of photography and the director were really, really, really close. There are many, many combos nowadays. I mean, I, should, I, I shouldn't say that they are not. No, they are. There are many people that work very, very close. Because it's very important that you, you, cannot, you, you are not telling your own story. As director of photography, when I decided, when that lady in, in England said to me, we cannot offer you a director position in this school, but a director of photography, I knew in that moment, I knew something very important. I am not going to be working for my own film. I'm going to put all my skills, my passion, my energy, my knowledge to the service of somebody else's vision. And I'm going to do it because those are the cards that I have in my hand and I need to play them like that. I cannot do my own film using her time or his time, her or his ideas, his or her vision. My photography needs to work for that vision. And, And that's very important. That's why it's important that we, in the way that we prepare, we cannot prepare in a selfish manner. We got to prepare in a full combination with every department that is going to be playing. Every scene, you need to know exactly what costumes are going to be, how the art director is going to play it, how special effects are going to infer into that one, how the editor may or may not be working on that. You know what I'm saying? That, that You have to have a full vision of everything. That's the way that I prepare in the film. What was the best advice you've ever received and who's given it to you? Well, I think the best advice I ever received was from Sergio, Sergio Leone. I said, go to England and, and study there. And uh, But I believe I believe that perhaps the best advice came from my mom. My mom was a big diva actress. And then she said to me, and she never made it really big, but she was like a big diva, right? And she said to me, son, you're going to go into the film industry. You're going to go there. Just remember one, 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 one thing. Filmmakers don't have memories. So we say, well, what is the meaning of that? Well, the meaning of that is when you go to make a film, you hear very often, so you say, oh, it's not going to work. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, I did that. Oh, I already done that. I avoid trying to talk about what I done. I avoid to talk about what I, because I know that directors, producers, people in the crew will treat the project like if it was the first thing all of us have ever done. So they don't have memories. Tomorrow I might go to do a television show. And believe me, the director is going to is gonna forget that I did Black Widow. The director is going to forget that I did a $200 million film. And then I carry a crew of 2,000. And I managed to organize and to work with the director and with the producers to make sure that that film was going to be as successful as it as has been. And that was going to look as powerful as he's looking in the, within the Marvel universe. They don't have memories. So I'm going to have to try again from the beginning. And shouldn't be angry about it. I shouldn't be upset about it. I, you know, just, just make sure that, that, that 
I'm going to have to start literally from the beginning as far as people are concerned and convince them, not only with words, not only with good actions, but with the material, with what you're producing, making sure that they know that everything that you're doing is working for the material, is working for the story that is on paper. And, and you know, sometimes there, I, I know that directors will come with me and say, Gabby, can we do this one? And then, you know, you've done it 20 times and the 20 times fail. And you say, oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> and, uh, and but but you know then I remember my mother said they don't have memory and you should know so carry on do it and you do it again because you believe that maybe in that context in this new context that shot or that camera position or that camera movement that has not worked before now might have a place and might work because in, in that chess combination that I say that Queen Gambit might actually work this time yeah and you know, I got to say, I'm a big Sergio Leone fan. Um, one, uh, Once Upon a Time in America, one of my favorite movies. Oh, great. Yeah, that's great. a good one. That's a classic, man. Very underrated. Yeah. I feel like it doesn't get enough of the praise it gets. When you think of all the gangster movies, you know, whatever it says that one, to me, that's like, it's to me, it's such a no-brainer. It's such an epic, you know? It is. I mean, and the, the relationship of those four it was amazing. You know, it, it was uh, Lansky, uh, Boxy, um, yep. Stello, and Lucky Luciano. Yep. And it's amazing how, uh, you know, there's his narrative and everything. But with me, he was very, very, very clear. I mean, I arrive and I say, who are you? And I say, oh, you, we met in a film festival. And you said to come and look look up for you. And, you know, it's like when people go to me and say, oh, God. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, then you could see his face. And I said, well, you know, I really came from, I really come to, want to come to Italy, want to go to, and then he said, look, 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 Cinecita è morto, Centro Experimental de Cinema è morto. <laughs> what do you want to do here? Go away, go away. Go away. No, it's not for you. What do you want to do? You want to do documentary? You want to do that? You want to tell stories? You want to tell stories? Go to Hollywood. Well, Hollywood is not a place for me. I believe that I'm, you know, more the European tradition and sensibility. Go to England. <laughs> and that's it. Thank you, Mr. Leone. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about Black Widow. I've been dying to, to, to ask you. It's, it's a f- tremendously fun ride. I've already seen it three times. I, I love every time I love it more and more. Um, I saw it by myself the first time because I really wanted to focus on it. And I told my wife how much I loved it. I was like, you got to watch it. We, I watched it again the same day with her. And then I had my kids watch it. I watched it. So I've already watched it three times. I'll probably watch it another couple of times in the next week or so. It's broken records in, in the pandemic box office. I mean, it's it's done. I think I think at this point, as we're recording this interview, I think it's already done over $210 million in, in just like a couple of days, uh, including Disney Plus and, and the box office. You know, more. Well, you've done a bunch of different Marvel things. What do you enjoy about working with Marvel, uh, these these blockbuster hits? As I said, fundamentally is that, is the fact that at the end of the day, they take into consideration what I call the collective dream, or the focus groups, to, <laughs> to use the technical language, you know, but but I, I want to feel collective dream because I feel that this is more what I what I believe it is. And, uh, and uh, I think I like it. And I like the fact that they create this universe and in that universe, they deal with subjects that are important, you know, that are great. I mean, I remember when I did the first additional photography for Iron Man, first film that Marvel Studio did. I had done Blade before. I did the two last installments of Blade, Blade 2 and Blade 3, but that was 
not marble studio. It's a marble character, but it's not marble. It wasn't the studio yet. No, it wasn't Kevin and Lou and Victoria. Uh, the first one was Iron Man and John Favreau. And, the sh- and it was shot by Matthew Labatik. I mean, I was suggested to shoot it, but 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 John quite rightly went with, with Matthew. Matthew is a phenomenal photographer and cinematographer. And and, uh, and if he hasn't been because it was me the one that didn't get it, I would say that he took a phenomenal decision because Matthew is very, very good. But then when, when, when they brought the reshoot, what they happened is that when they presented to that group of people, they said, okay, we understand the character. We understand what... Uh, Tony Stark is about. But what we don't understand is that big piece of red armor is a superhero. But don't you think that it needs to, when people relate to that, not to Tony Stark, but to the big monster, the big piece of metal there, they should feel the humanity? So when the audience started talking about that in their own ways, Marvel says, we are missing something very important. We have Tony Stark and then we have something that is not, it's not, it's not reaching emotionally the character. So the fact that he goes, Ooh, and the fact that, but he's not doing it. So they start writing now scenes that would help people to in, get best emotionally on that piece of armor, on that red metal thing. We humanized the character. Mm. And that was what we needed to do in the additional photography. And I find that fascinating about Marvel. Again, that they talk to them and they hear what they have to do. In Guardians of the Galaxy, Zoe Zaldana and the same. She was incredibly human and emotional and the sister and the, and the love and, the, the, you know, a woman that, an alien woman who tries to understand the, the recording of, uh, of the music and the, the vintage thing. Yet, what she didn't have, she was not a superhero. She was not a badass fighter. And we, they, 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 they basically that went over them. And then when people realize and people tell them, okay, she's beautiful and she's wonderful and she's human and she's fantastic. But what is the superheroine? What is the woman that is going to make us, whoa, you know? And then we have to create fights and relationship with the sister and they have, the writers have to go into that. That's what I love about Marvel. That's what I love about what they are doing because they listen to the collective dream. And obviously when they bring, when we do Black Widow, they bring a, a, a director who, she doesn't know anything about visual effects or fights or anything, or the, the Marvel universe, but she understands the relationship between two sisters. So then when you watch the film, you know, you get immersed in the spectacle of Marvel that all of us know how to do it and do it very well and as and as the te- technology improves we also improve the, the technology and we have industrial light and magic and we have the stone and the stone group uh, or robin who is phenomenal and we have the most advanced uh, robot arms and uh, and wind and wind tunnels but what we don't what we needed there is a beautiful story mm-hmm. and that's why you're loving the film and that's why you said to your wife I want you to have a look at this because it goes beyond beyond the the spectacle of Marvel. It goes to the spectacle of the human relationship. That's spot on because that's it, it has so much heart to it. It's not just your typical action movie. It's got a lot of heart to it. It is that dark history that she has. You could feel the 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 tension at times and the love-hate relationship with the sister and and the struggle with their relationship. You, you feel it with with, with um David Harbour's character, the you know, Alexi's character. I mean, you really do get a sense of of that whole thing that there's a that there's a heart to that film that is not just your typical and I think Marvel does a great job in general with a lot of their films, but you can really feel it in Black Widow that it's not just action, 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 action. It There's a heart to it too that really takes you through in between the action sequences. You can feel the, you can feel it. You really can feel the passion in it. 
And I think it's one of the things that makes it so unique of a, of a film. Like I remember thinking before I saw it, how are they going to tell her story? Because, you know, to tell Tony's story is easy. Tony Stark's story is easy to tell. And not easy, but like it's it, there's more to it. And I felt like we never really got enough of Black Widow in the other films. Like even though she was a big part of that, you really didn't know enough about really her backstory and where and who she was. And And that's what made me nervous about this film. And this film really hits it spot on i loved it from the minute it started to the minute it end and it ended and um you like i said you really get a sense of the heart of the heart of her character and i couldn't have pictured this movie being even any better than it was it to me it was spot on it's one of my favorite marvel movies at this point oh thank you thank you thank you very much yeah like i said it's not just your it's not just like action 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 in between the action is where you really build the story and the story is there and the story is phenomenal um, what was it like to work with Scarlett I mean, Johansson and, and like a young, talented Florence Pugh who's going to be doing, I mean, you could just tell she's going to be, she's so young, she's going to be doing a lot of great things in her future. What was it like to work with them too? Well, I mean, when people ask me about what is the most spectacular scene that you shot in, in Black Widow, people tell me, you know, and I obviously, the descent is very powerful and I obviously the fight, the, the fight, uh, the, the picking up the girls with the human trafficking is very powerful. The, uh, the, the, the fight with the widows, Scarlett and the with us in that beautiful office of uh, Ray Winston, Draco, there, very powerful. And they, once in Budapest, they, the car chase in Budapest, incredibly powerful, and the car chase and Taskmaster, the fight with Taskmaster in the bridge, fantastic. Yet, yet, even though those things were very, very difficult to achieve, and they were part of that universe in which we have to combine visual effects with stonework with a first unit and second unit and, and and additional units. The reality is the most powerful scene as far as I was concerned is when I had the two sisters, two incredible good actors, lady actors, two Academy Award women sitting face to face in a little coffee shop in Budapest talking heart to heart. That moment is so spectacular. And to see them and to listen to them talking and expressing and doing what they do best is just a fantastic privilege. And then we remind us, that's what films are about, is to see those extraordinary, big, gigantic faces on the screen getting very, very, very strong into our hearts and making us think and making us believe that we have emotions above everything else. And hopefully to do what I'm always my dream, which is that people go back again to what we used to do, go out of the cinema and go to the bar, go to the coffee shop, go to the wine bar and talk about the issues that those films are bringing to the table. Very good. What was what would you say the toughest scene to shoot in Black Widow was? Basically, the, the visual effects, the visual effects scenes, and um, the, the descent, it was very, very tough. Why was it tough? It was tough because everyone is very skillful in what they do. But the tough thing about it is that everyone is very skillful in what they do. I mean, I, I, I laugh because I used to say that I was the Han of the Queen. Because everyone is so powerful, you know, saying the, the, the stone coordinator, Robbie Inch, Robbie Inch is phenomenal. He's one of the best, you know. Uh, Jeff Bauman, our visual effects coordinator. I mean, he, the man, he, the, he's a young man, but he is so clever and clear and strong. The second unit director, everybody is very good. And then the other units, the four units. But the most important thing is try to coordinate that those lords of the manor, those lords of the kingdom, don't end up doing their own film because they have to work for one film. Mm-hmm. And that, so you have to make absolutely sure, I have to be right on top of these extraordinary talents that they they are working for the same film. And they, they do. They, they, I'm not saying that they don't, but, but it, because they, 
extraordinary skills, even for themselves. The whole thing might get out of the, the control, out of the hands, might be spectacular, but it is not working for the whole. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very attentive. You could see tent. I mean, Kate and I will have two different tents. At the beginning, we were together, but then we decided to separate because in my tent, there was a whole lot of technical talk. And, and Kate would say, don't, don't invade me with all this talk. So, but we were very close. And every time that she needed me, I was there. But in my tent, you have, I have monitors for every unit and everybody and everything that they were doing. And Carlos Carvalho, the, the fantastic second unit director of photography, always communicating with me, everyone. So it was very interesting and very difficult because you are basically working with very skillful professionals. And sometimes you would have to tell them, no, this is not the way that it has to go. Even though it's the right way for you, technically, for what we are doing, it's not. And sometimes you have to tell them, you know, in that particular moment, it's very imperative that I have this life because that is responding to a full set. So the previous have to have, I have to be fair in the previous. I have to tell what the previous, what type of lighting we're going to be in the previous so that people will know every department that was doing a fraction of that shot or part of that shot that were in the previous were very aware of that lighting transition that could have been happening in that particular shot. And I could not let it go. I could not just say, oh, don't worry about it. I had to be there on top of everything. Sometimes without being on top, without being there, but occasionally, Lee, Lee Walters, my gaffer and I, will have to strike from our main unit set to the second unit or to the wind tunnel unit or to the robot arm unit to make sure that they were doing what they were supposed to be doing in function of, in function of the film. And that is the most difficult thing when you have a film of that spectacular magnitude. They are lords of the kingdom and they have their armies and they are powerful. And then you have to be the hand of the queen. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. For, for, for some reference, and it will be for those who didn't watch Game of Thrones, that would just go like that. The rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get, get that. No, I got I, that was one of my favorite shows. That's I got that reference. Um, so, what do you got coming up now? I think what, what are you working on now? You gonna take a nice little vacation from after this uh, success of Black Widow, or you got something else cooking? Oh, I mean, I, I'm constantly working. I'm constantly working. I have a. Uh, I have uh, my little. I have my little hobby that is. I have a production company in Cuba for all places. So I now now Cuba is going through a very traumatic process of adapt, you know, political situation. So I don't know whether I'm gonna go back to to continue uh, developing my projects there. But in the meantime, I'm 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 I, I just finished a television show for Fox Disney in in Atlanta, and now I'm having meetings to go and do something else. And uh, so I still don't have, and I don't, I still don't have Black Widow too, so to speak. Meaning, I still <laughs> don't have an offer to do another big Marvel film. It, it, this is very tricky because I feel very proud of what I did with Black Widow, and certainly even Kevin Kaish, as you sent me an email congratulating me and congratulating for the photography. It's not very often that. A Marvel film has so much, people rely so much about the photography. And I think in this one, surprisingly and thankfully, people have been very, very generous. I get, I mean, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, they have been generous to it. And, and I have to appreciate that. And uh, but, but, but at the end of the day, Marvel has always been, as they said, you know, we always believe in you. You've been over, you are, uh, I, would call, I, I always jokingly, I say I'm the cleaner. You know, I put my dark <laughs> put my, my 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 beanie my beanie thing and I just walk with my long coat just to clean and and the cleaner. 
And they trust me, you know. If any problem they have, Gabby, where are you? Can you come and, and help? But the problem is that they, they, they have to give the directors the option to pick up the DP. So even, let's say that they do Black Widow 2 and they don't bring K, they bring a different director. Or any film, any film, and they bring a different director. That director will want to work with somebody that they feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And for that, I am... Whether I want it or not, whether I have proved the opposite or not, I'm a marble guy. And I and, and because I'm a marble guy, it's, it's, it's not like an automatically I can go into any marble film. First of all, I'm not a marble guy because in every film I do what the confidence that marble gives me, the, the, the trust allows me to do my style, <laughs> which is very interesting, right? Which thankfully people have noticed. In this film, that they say, "Oh, this is not look. This doesn't look like a Marvel film completely," you know. So, so therefore, I'm, I'm not taking that for granted. So, uh, I'm not, I'm not going into the big illusion that I will be doing another gigantic tempo. I, I'm here. I continue working, and people ask me. I receive scripts. I read scripts. Independent films, less independent television, whatever. You know, I, I'm a professional technician from this phenomenal film industry. Awesome, man. Hey, listen, I just, I want to say it's been such an honor to have you join the show today. And I just want to say thank you so much. And, and and just really, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, kudos on Black Widow. It is phenomenal. You guys did a masterful job with it. One of my favorite Marvels, if not my favorite Marvel right now. Just to give me a few minutes of your time, man. I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye. My pleasure. All the best. Okay, so that brings us to this week's Disney TV and Movie Minute, which is brought to you, as always, by JSA Creations. And JSA Creations does what, Joey? We make all your ears come true. Every single time, Dan. (laughs) Way to sell it. (laughs) Make all your ears come true in 3D. All right, so this week's Disney TV and Movie Minute, Disney Junior Tots, Season 2, A Penguin and Flamingo, respectively work on the Tiny Ones Transport service, uh, where they deliver newborn baby animals and birds to their parents. So in case anyone didn't know what Tots stood for, there you go. Right. Season two. Yeah. So apparently there was a season one. <laughs> so moving on. Next up, we got Critter Country Vets. This is season two as well. Dr. Hodges and Dr. Ferguson are two lifelong friends who own a and operate a Critter Fixer Veterinary Hospitals. <laughs> well, that's a mouthful. Critter Fixer. Yeah, there you go. It's located 100 miles south of Atlanta, and together with their loving staff, these physicians bring real heart, soul, and a lot of humor to their treatment and care of more than 20,000 patients a year across their two locations. Between emergency visits to the office and farm calls throughout rural Georgia, the special team is constantly bombarded with unique cases, which include adhering to tilapia scales, saving attack dogs to assembling a splint on a rare South American bird. For the Critter Fixer team, there's no such thing as normal. I mean, this would be cool. If you're really into animals and stuff, I've seen some of these, kind of like the incredible Dr. Pole and, and, and a bunch of others. So, but this is cool. Well, I got Chippendale Park Life, episode 101, featuring the minis, Thou Shalt Nut, Steal, which Dale makes a serious mistake when he steals the wrong dog's chestnuts then we got the baby whisper chip meets his match in the baby enclosure on the wild 
Wild West Side of the Park. And rounding it out is It Takes Two to Tangle. Chip and Dale have always been joined at the hip, but now they actually are. Okay, I will say one thing about this. It's it's chaotic cartoons again. I yeah. saw the trailer, the extended one. I'm going to watch it. I'll give you my review, but it's just so much going on. Like, I wish it could just be dialed back a bit. I get it. Hey, guess what, you guys? Guess what's coming back? The Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse Batch 2 premiere. In the Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse, it's nothing but fun and excitement for Mickey and his best pals, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, and Pluto, as they embark on their greatest adventures yet, navigating the curveballs of a wild and zany world where the magic of Disney makes the impossible possible. Each seven-minute short is filled with laugh-out-loud comedy, modern settings, timeless stories, new music, and the unmistakable classic art style of the Mickey Mouse shorts. These series will include stories inspired by various lands at Disney parks and cameos by classic Disney heritage characters. I am very excited about this. This sounds lovely. Did you watch the other ones? No, but I'll start here. I'm really excited for season two. I'll start here and work my way back. It's the one that I was watching when oh, you walked in. Oh, yeah. I like those. I like yeah. them. My only complaint, like I said, is just a little little too much sometimes. I wish they'd slow her down. Well, yeah. And this is their greatest adventure yet with curveballs and zany world. So it's going to be even more chaotic. Anytime something zany, you know it's going to be good. All right, so it's my turn, and I have Turning to Tables with Robin Roberts. Get personal with Robin Roberts and some of Hollywood's groundbreaking women as they bear witness to their incredible journeys on their path to purpose. Each episode is a profound conversation filled with emotion and inspiration. Listen to never-before-heard stories of how these groundbreakers came face-to-face with their vulnerability, authenticity, and intuition. Discover their commonalities and learn how their stories and experiences created room for expansion and evolution. All four episodes will arrive at at once so you can binge watch the whole series all right so what else we got guys we mentioned that was all on wednesday oh yeah that we didn't 20- mention all that is on wednesday july 28th yeah coming up, say- now we're gonna talk about what's coming up on disney plus this right. friday july 30th friday all right beyond that stuff me don't Thank say you. friday dan that hurts my ears when you do that there we go. All right, so coming into Disney Plus this Friday, first up, Disney Sydney to the Max, season three. Sydney, which is a middle schooler student, and her father, Max, encounter different challenges in their daily lives, which they solve thanks to the help of their grandmother, Judy, and their family bond. Are you really excited for season three, Stephanie? So excited. Well, so season excited. two, season one was excellent. Season two took a dive, so I'm hoping it's like a rebound season. Also, you've seen this. I haven't even seen this. Okay. Sydney to the Max, for sure. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I'm all over City to the Max. All right. The first season was zany. (laughs) Next up, we've got Garfield. And this one is a jealous Garfield lures Odie out of the house where he wanders away and gets lost. After after discovering that Odie's in danger, Garfield springs into action with a tummy full of lasagna to save him. (laughs) I got to tell you. That just made me hungry hungry because as soon as that word lasagna came out of Joey's mouth, I got hungry. Me too. And it it said tummy full. So... Uh. Yeah, I got to tell you, I personally make a phenomenal lasagna. I make the best lasagna I've, I've ever had. I make anybody it that, that doesn't like lasagna might need to question your relationship with that person. Agreed. It's got everything in it. It's like it's like salt. It's like savory cake <laughs> with sauce <laughs> and cheese and pasta and meats. Somehow you work Whoa. the dessert. Into that. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, come on, savory yo. There's nothing cake. to think of, but it is though, right? It's a baked thing with pasta and sauce. 
and cheese oh and gosh, meats. That's so funny. And when I make mine, when I make mine, I put in, I put, in, I put in pajut, I put in some some real sausage, I put in the meatballs, I put everything in there. You mm. put meatballs in your lasagna? Oh yeah, and I and I cut them up, I chop them up really small. So like, I oh. take a meatball because my meatballs are pretty decent size, like maybe the size of a baseball, and then I cut them in like sixteenths, I guess you could say. Like I just cut them so they're small and they go into the sauce, and then I let them simmer in the sauce for a little bit when I'm making the sauce. Um, and then I cook up the sausage <laughs> and then I put the sausage and I let that sit in the sauce. So it gets like the flavor in the sauce and everything. And I take the prosciutto, I put the prosciutto in the sauce and I let the prosciutto kind of cook up in the sauce. Also a little trick for the ricotta that I put in the, in the lasagna. A lot of people just put the ricotta and I put like, I take actually like mozzarella, like fresh shredded mozzarella. And I put that in my ricotta mix. That way the ricotta gets a little, it binds up a little bit. Kind of stick. Yeah, it keeps it Otherwise, together. yeah. Do you ever have it, when the people don't do that, sometimes it gets a little soupy. Like when they yeah, 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 it. Does. All right, next up, we've got the National Geographic presents Built for Mars, the Perseverance rover. Go behind the scenes at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory to follow the birth of the Perseverance rover. This I'll definitely watch. I've watched every single space thing with National Geographic. I always watch this type of stuff. Deep space secrets, and I just watch everything about it. I should have been probably an astronomer, but I'm not that good at math, so (laughs) we would have been shooting over planets and all kinds of stuff, so it wouldn't have worked for sure. But I love this type of stuff. I've taken Aiden out. I'll, I'll show him actually where the planets are. Even with um, binoculars to show him, you could see the rings on Saturn. It's tiny, but you can still see that. You'd be surprised when you can see this type of stuff. The Jungle Cruise. Inspired by the famous Disneyland theme park ride, Disney's Jungle Cruise is an adventure-filled thrill ride down the Amazon River with wise-cracking skipper Frank Wolf and intrepid researcher Dr. Lily Houghton. Lily travels from London, England to the Amazon jungle and enlists Frank's questionable services to guide her downriver to search for an ancient tree with unparalleled healing abilities. Jungle Cruise will be available in theaters and on Disney Plus Premier Access for additional fee both on the same day. And I will be watching this on that day. But I'll tell you what I, I found weird uh, or can decide about the um, Jungle Cruise is I thought it was supposed to take place in Africa and then it's, it's Amazon because yeah. the ride itself was supposed to be based on the African Queen movie, right? So that's why I just assumed this movie was going to take place in, in Africa. So I, that's why I was surprised when I saw it was Am- the Amazon. I don't know. Listen, if it's even if they cross it over with, you know, Indiana Jones slash Jumanji, I'm good. That's what it has that that same kind yep. of vibe, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I do like that they're keeping the comedy in there. I like yeah. that. You got a lot. to. Well, you got like, to. Indiana Jones has that little touch mm-hmm. of comedy. I know. And then and then even I think The Rock, he's just who doesn't want to watch The Rock in a movie? I mean, he's one of the better actors out right now, so. Yep. According unless you ask Vin Diesel. A little bit, yeah. Are, are they beefing again? Yeah. Nah, Vin Diesel. Yeah, the rock just laughed. Oh, oh yeah, I, I just saw that. What did yeah. he say? He um Vin he was just saying, Oh, I you know, I was I was just giving him tough love. Basically, like his acting skills weren't up to par, as if Vin Diesel's are amazing. Vin Diesel's and, uh, only done one type of movie for the last I, I know yeah. he still wears the same freaking t-shirt every movie or tank top. Like, <laughs> dude, he even wears them to the premiere and stuff. Like, get out of here, bro. He's not been in any movie other than other than Fast and Furious movies in the last 10 years. Exactly. I know they got two more movies. It's like ridiculous now. Um, you know what? My only thing with Fast and Furious is they started off. As a, as a group of guys that drag raced and like yeah. hijacked trucks to now they're like secret agents. Like, yeah, we're like, oh, we're the best team. And I'm like, when, so since when are they saving the world? They didn't they hijack the trucks 10 years ago? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were hijacking trucks 10 years ago. I know. So but they're, I mean, they're entertaining movies. Don't get me wrong. I still are. watch them, they, but they absolutely are. Um, but The Rock's like, yeah, listen, I wish them luck. You know, I'll never be in them again, but wish them luck. And he kind of laughed. So, you know, well, he's probably going to be doing a couple more Jungle Cruise movies. I'm sure this will be a, a, um, a franchise. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, you know? totally. Yeah, listen, huge. He's all over the place. 
Yeah. He has been for a while now. So, yeah. So they're, you know, not beefing. It's just, you know, it's come up a couple of times where it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So whatever. Well, all right. So let's, let's, uh, let's head over to Disney topic talk. Okay, so on this week's Disney Topic Talk, we're going to be creating our own Marvel attractions if we could put them in Orlando. We're going to pick a character or a film or something. We're going to basically imagine our own Marvel ride or attraction and bring it to Disney World since they don't really have that right now. So with that, I think I want to go to Mr. Marvel on our show. And Joey, maybe Joey can go first. He is Mr. Marvel on the show, by the way. So well, you know, I can lift the, uh, 30 pounds. So I can lift 100 I, I, pounds <laughs> right over my head. And so if that's the case, I'm definitely getting the part. I just, I, I just want to reiterate that. Well, so, you should yeah. audition for sure. Yes, I do love, listen, I do love, I do love Marvel. Yes. Would I love to be a character in one of those things? Yes. I would love it. So, okay. Basically it's, it's, it's going to be a roller coaster, but okay. it's going to be an, an extreme roller coaster. Now I thought of doing where you could do, you know, some of these simulated rides where you kind of go through and it's kind of like a mix between real and virtual, kind of like the Spider-Man thing, whatever. But I wanted to go more Hulk-like where it's the an extreme roller coaster and, and actually it would kind of theme the, if you've seen even the second one, Thor 2, where, well, they did in the first one, but where they're riding the skiffs, which it looks like the, uh, the golden, it looks like a little boat ship that flies that they were chasing mm-hmm. in the scenes. I know, Dan, I don't know if you've seen any of the Thors yet. Have you? Uh, just the first one. Well, they, I don't remember if they did it in the first one. I don't No, no, they weren't because it was on earth. So in the, in the second one where they're in Asgard, there's one, it, it looks like a, you'll, you'll be able to, whenever you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It looks like a little, like a minute, not miniature, but it looks like a smaller kind of boat okay. that it's called a skiff. And basically it flies because everything flies in Asgard. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, so what I wanted to call it, I want to, and I put some notes down here. I want to call it the, uh, the Asgardian skiff coaster. So in the, in the front, you would have kind of like the castle from Asgard, where you see it so many times, it's like an you know iconic from the movies, and then almost like you know going into the entrance, and then just inside the way while you're waiting in line, because you know the line's going to take you an hour to get through it. There'll be a section where they actually have the Malnor hammer kind of embedded in the ground, very similar to the in front of the the carousel where they've got the the Excalibur sword. Oh, so, so in the song. That, where people can go up. Well, you know, you're waiting in line when you get your turn as you're passing it, you get a chance to kind of step up there, hold it like you're trying to pull it up, you know, pick it up. So it's like a photo shot, which are a photo opportunity, which you could kind of do, which is pretty neat. And then the coaster itself is going to be themed with like the skiff aesthetics going down the sides of it, which is like a gold, you know, almost like a gold red because he's got his red cape. And it would be a double wide where you got to have, you know, it'll take at least it'll be, you know, two people it'll be pretty wide coaster. And it's going to be a launch coaster right out the gate. So it's almost like when he takes the uh, the portal to either Earth or wherever they're going. <clears throat> and it's basically as you're going into the portal and it launches you out the top. Ooh. Goes right out into two double loops, like four corkscrews, um, and it's going to be basically built over uh, completely over water. Because when they are in the skiffs, they are usually flying over the water area of the planet because Asgard usually is built on the uh, the land, but everything else is like water out there. So you would have something like that. And then, of course, the whole thing would be kind of themed after you where they would kind of set it up as a story you'd see like on the monitors and stuff where they're talking about having to deal with the dark elves, which Dan, you'll see when you see the second movie where they do have a, a major chase scene in that movie. We're almost like you're either, you would either be chasing the dark elves or they would be chasing you. And the whole point would be to get away kind of like Velocicoaster where you're trying to escape the Raptors type of thing. That's pretty much what I'm thinking. Something like That's, that. So bringing a thrill ride to Disney pretty much. Oh, absolutely. This OEM, by the way, I had it here. It's um, it would do, oh, and it would top out at 75 miles an hour. 
because that will put it as the fastest in the Oh, I like that. <laughs> Just saying. You, you know what would be cool too is like a lot of thunder noises, like that God of Thunder, and you know, yeah. hearing like the thunder, the thunder claps. Yep, Love it would it. be awesome. I that and there's a lot you could do there with the theming and stuff, but that's the kind of thing I would think that would be it would be awesome because Disney doesn't have anything like that. Mm-hmm. And that would be as extreme as they got, even more so than, you know, the rock and roller coaster and such. Obviously, you got some Marvel. Uh, and then plus you could lay claim to having the fastest coaster, which would be great, too. <laughs> that, yeah, for so, sure. Especially as much as I enjoy the Velocicoaster, coaster, which I absolutely love it. That would be so awesome. Plus, you know, the Hulk is one of my all time favorite coasters. Uh, the Velocicoaster coaster is right there. But there's something about the Hulk that I love. It's mm-hmm. a really wide, big coaster and it's very whippy and fast and it, you know, cuts you through. And of course... They incorporate everything into the gamma rays and you get launched out and stuff like that. I love that stuff. So, yeah, that's mine. All right. Well, let's bring it. Let's kick it over to Steph. Why are you laughing? I was laughing because Stephanie's face is like, yeah. Terror. Yeah. Here in the headlights. Okay. So what I came up with was a WandaVision walkthrough where it would be the town of Westview and you would walk through, start at, you would get to walk through every decade house, a little ah. mock up thing. Mm. Yeah. Where you get to walk through and then maybe even at the end, you are in the TV show or it could be like a, mm. um, yeah, like a surround screeny thing. I don't know how they would do it, but we would be, you know, we would be the characters in the show and they could like talk to you through the, I don't know, magic microphone or something. That you <laughs> magnetic magic microphone. And they're the actors or whatever. Yeah. So mine's a little short and sweet, but that's all I had to go on. Is it called anything? It's the WandaVision walkthrough. Oh, like yeah. it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So the WVW. Yeah. Big yeah. and basically it's not just on it. Yeah, what? so it's not just after the character. You're basically basing it off the show. I'm basing it off the show because that's the only thing I have I right. have to go on. Yeah, I like it. It's a, it's an, I mean, it's a, it's an original idea, especially for someone who's not really big into Marvel or doesn't know much about it. So I know. And well, it's kind of back to the days where you could walk and see the different movie sets. Like Mm -hmm. where, where was that? Well, or like great movie ride. No, they used to have that thing where remember you would be on the, I forget what it was. Was like the back lot tour or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Where was that? That was at MGM. Yeah. When it used to be MGM. Yeah. When it was MGM. If I remember correctly, couldn't you pass by and see like the golden girl house on that? Yeah. 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 But Toontown's that little walkthrough. You know, you saw Minnie's house. You see. Oh, man. Toontown. That's a throwback. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Kind of like that. So short and sweet. It's pretty good. Not bad. Guys, thanks for your support. I don't have that great of one really either very involved because I'm just getting into Marvel, Stephanie. Yeah. So mine is because we all know that we love more of the traditional Disney ahead of, say, Star Wars and Marvel, I'm going to pull the Marvel attraction into the Disney world, and I'm going to have it where the Alien Stitch ride was, or experience, I should say. God knows they need something there. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I'm going to call it the Marvelous Mouse Marvel mouse and it's going to feature mickey through the whole thing but he's going to be these characters oh that'd be cool they'll have the core whatever is decided on the characters and then they'll add special limited runs of like let's say now loki or something like that you know that will change the core will stay the same and it's going to be where it's kind of almost like hologram esque outside of the capsule but inside the capsule will be mickey as these characters and you know like the the fog and he's then all of a sudden it'll be mickey hulk or whatever it is yeah and then i want the last one to be iron 
Mickey Iron Man Aww. and where he it's going to take the whole like theater thing and you'll feel everything and where um, Iron Man will shoot straight up out of that capsule and that'll be the end of it. But I like the Marvelous Mouse and mm-hmm. I like that it will give like a more, you know how they do when they uh, they made all that merch for Star Wars, but it was the Mickey yeah. characters. I think it could be a cool cute. way to do it for kids, but yeah. still be cool for Marvel fans because it'd be unique. That's hey. really good, Dan. Thanks. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I do like that it's kind of mixes it, you know, it still makes it more Disney. Yeah, but with with the Marvel and stuff, and a lot of people do like that stuff where they do the crossovers. I mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. that would be kind of cool to see Mickey as like a Hulk. Yeah, and I think it would fit in in that Tomorrowland right there. You know, no, I think yeah, yeah for sure. So yeah, they go. definitely. In fact, you might want to give them a call and tell them because I don't know what marvelous mouse. Yeah, what? That nothing can make it. It's there. been that way. You think you would think that they would have had something in place get a couple years back now, getting ready for the fiftieth. Yeah, I just yeah. I don't get yeah. it. So there you go. I gave it a shot. I gave it a Marvel shot. There you go. I, no, I thought you guys both did really good for not being huge Marvel people. I thought it was both good. Um, I came up with something with Ant-Man. Okay. And mine is called Ant-Man and Journey into the Quantum Realm. So, I, Dan, have you seen any of the Ant-Man movies yet? Yeah, I like them. Okay, so you're familiar with the Quantum Realm. Where, where it's like that kind of like weird, spacey kind of place. And I have it where Hank Pym is enlisted the, the guests to go find Scott Lang, who is stuck in the Quantum Realm. They can't they can't find him to get him out of there. So they, they put us, and this is kind of a throwback to, as you guys know, one of my favorite rides, Body Wars. You remember Body Wars? They shrunk you down to a miniature thing. They put you in the body. Yeah. Something similar to that. They're going to put us in a car in a little, like in a little ship. And that's, that's, that'll be a car. And it's going to be where it's going to be like a, one of the virtual rides where you're going to have the screen. It's going to be a dark ride like that, not a coaster. It's going to be one of those rides. And they're going to put you in this little ship and shrink you down and put you into the quantum realm. And you're going to go through the whole thing. It's going to be like, like Body Wars was or like Star Tours is where you're kind of just dry, right. flying through the quantum realm. There's going to be things like, if you remember correctly, there's like those microscopic, like big giant worm looking creatures that would come out of nowhere. And they were like big giant scary sea cow looking things. And that whole, the whole plot on it is to basically find Scott Lang in, in the quantum realm. And then you got to find him. And there's going to be a clock where you have to, you're going to think that, uh oh, we could explode because they're going to, we only have so much time in our miniature little state before explodes into like the regular size so we got to beat the clock to be able to get to find scott lang we only have so much time to find ant-man in the quantum realm and the way it's going to work is kind of like how like dinosaur was but we have to kind of bump them to kind of like attach them into our ship and you know a dinosaur you got to like bump the dinosaur it's gonna be the same kind of thing we got to attack we got to kind of bump into them to to bring them into our ship and uh i think the quantum realm could be a cool looking thing to put it on on the especially with the 3d glasses oh absolutely you know i think it works with those virtual rides for sure you know and i think it would be something where it's like, you know, like even like, like maybe like Spider-Man. Spider-Man's like, you know, you're really not really driving too much. You're kind of sitting mostly in the same area, but with the screen and the 3D glasses, you feel like you're flying all over the place, going up a hundred feet, coming down a hundred feet. I think it would be kind of cool. It'd be a little bit of a throwback to an early ride at Epcot, Body Wars, which again is, it was the first one to have a, a height requirement in Epcot. So that's, you know, that's important. But I think that Ant-Man doesn't get enough respect anyway in the Marvel universe. Like yeah. I feel like it's a, one of the uh, to me it's one of the more fun movies they have. Great comedy in that one. They all have com- they all have comedic uh like spots that. in it, but sounds like I'd like that. That one's really yeah, that one's really good. Paul Rudd is really good at that. And by the yeah. way, I'm glad that they did give some representation at Avengers Campus even though we can't see it here. Yeah. Um they did do it. 
the with that restaurant where it's, yeah yep the the where, the, where Pim's uh Pim what I forget what it's called I yeah. forgot what they call it but yeah where the the food all gets oversized and yeah like, that's uh, awesome yeah yeah you yeah know, so listen we got I got different ones you got uh, I got an extreme coaster Stephanie's got like, more of a walkthrough experience Dan's got a crossover that's got more Disney that would definitely fit in Magic Kingdom in Certainly that spot would. which would be great and then yours being another great you know virtual ride which virtual always ride. do well yes yeah, yeah. so we all kind of without even knowing it we all kind of hit right. different angles of different types of rides that's oh, kind of cool good. all right guys well <laughs> that's gonna do it for this week's show let's do some thank yous and uh some announcements first let's thank our sponsor magical travels by brian the disney underground is proudly brought to you by magical travels by brian brian contact brian to help you book your next vacation magical travel by brian can not only help you book your next disney vacation but much much more he can also help you book your universal studios vacations all-inclusive caribbean resorts cruises corporate travel they can even help you book your destination wedding even disney destination weddings they're going to get you the best prices services are completely free and uh, if you want to check him out for his info go to the website www.magicaltravelsbybrian.com email brian at magicaltravel.com and that's going to be brian b-r-i-a-n and you can reach him by phone 1-800-883-1535 extension double nickel so let's also thank Gabriel Berenstein for dropping by, the cinematographer from Black Widow. Guys, if you haven't seen Black Widow yet, go make sure you do. Uh, it was a pleasure getting to know Gabriel a little bit. So I just want to thank him for stopping by and talking a little uh, Black Widow, a little bit about uh, the art of film. And also check us out next week. We'll be joined by Mark from This Diz Life Podcast. So you want to hear what he has to say about what got, he's got going on over there. And uh, with that, let's say our goodbyes. Let's uh, First, let's say goodbye to Joey. Joey from sunny Miami. Adios, my man. Yeah, man. Uh, it was a great show tonight. Had a lot of fun. Glad to be back. Missed everybody, yes. as always. So it always feels weird we're not being on the show. I still listen every week. Um, you guys did great last week. So, Thank But I'm, I'm happy to be back. And hopefully, Sam will be not so under the weather next week. Sammy can be back. Hopefully, she will be back. We miss yeah. Sammy. Uh, I feel like I haven't seen Sammy in like six months. It's been it a while. Seem, it does seem that way, even though we have our group chats and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, also, before I forget, if you want to check us out, you can check us out on Etsy, Instagram, Pinterest, JSA Creations, Creations with a 3D instead of EA. And uh, check us out. We got a lot of new a lot of new stuff coming. And we just actually picked up five new reps from cool. all over. One being in Italy. Wow. So, Woo. Yeah, they're, oh. yeah, they're, they're all over. A couple in Orlando. So Sammy had handpicked them and cool. reached out. So you'll start seeing more of that stuff. All right. So uh, so let's say goodbye over to the besters of the Midwesterners, Dan and Steph. Well, this was really fun. <laughs> well, wow. I guess we're done. <laughs> Can't thank you enough for all the time. This was really, really fun, you guys. I missed you a lot. It yeah. was, like Joey said, it was really great to hear you guys at Epcot last week. You sounded so happy to be in your element with your food. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. It, it was doesn't even really have to be a Disney. Christmas. I know, so smooth, right? Yeah. But yeah, we really did miss seeing you guys. This was so much fun. We laughed a lot, had a lot of fun, had some good Marvel ideas. Yeah, and you can check us out on Instagram <laughs> at Rock and Roll DW. So, do we have anything coming up video wise that I'm forgetting? Is it the ball twine coming up ever, or what's going on? Yeah, Dan and I are taking some very exciting road trips this summer to some very interesting roadside attractions. Oh, yeah. 
Dan Fieri. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to see Dan Fieri. Fieri's making a comeback, and yeah. we've got see, we've got some, some really exciting roadside attractions that we will be reporting, and we have an upcoming trip to Marceline. Yeah, and you know what else, guys? Is the the Rolling Stones tour just got rescheduled and posted today everywhere? Okay. And our date, we have really good tickets for. The day that they rescheduled is the day after we go to Marceline. Well, we're going to Marceline for the gala. Yeah. The wishing tree. So we're going to be able to see it, but we'll have to come back after that. But luckily, it's not the same day or we would have been in a major dilemma. Yeah. Yeah, No kidding. That's awesome. So head over to Rock and Roll DW for a smile, a chuckle, and have a rip-roaring day. There you go. Oh, wait. I got one thing to say. I forgot to mention the new stuff that we do have coming out because I'm just starting on our Halloween design. So if you're into the Halloween, we have to start very early. Keep an eye out for that stuff. We'll have at least, I'm I'm guessing, at least five five designs coming. Brag much? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, Halloween's one of my favorites, man. This is like- I know. I love doing them. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Me too. All right, guys. And I'm Gene. You can find me at the magical lifestyle at the underscore magical underscore lifestyle. And remember, have a great today, a better tomorrow. We'll see you next time. <laughs>